Well, hey, Numa Church. It is so good to be with you today in your homes. Wherever you are, we are so grateful that you've joined us today. And I get the privilege of speaking to you and really having this conversation with you for the next couple of minutes. And I like to think I'm family, but I also know that I am a guest and some of you may not know me. So I think it's only fair that I get to share a little bit about myself for a few seconds. And so my name is Stacy. Um, I'm born and bred in this beautiful city called Cape Town. I love it. I think it's one of the most beautiful cities that we get to be a part of and that we get to serve. I'm also an avid Formula One fan. I don't know if there's any Formula One fans with me, drop it in the chat right now. I won't tell you what team I support, which drive I support, because I don't want you to judge me on that, okay? So we'll leave it at I'm a big Formula One fan. I'm also, my church home is, is GC Church, and we're based in this awesome community called Woodstock. And this is what I get to do for a full-time job. I get to serve the church, and it's one of the best parts of my life. And at GC, we're big fans of the NUMA community. We're always praying for you, cheering you on, and really believing the best for your church. We're also big fans of your pastors. We love having Pastor Monty come and share with us. And anytime he comes, we're always super pumped. And so really, I'm so honored to be with you here today. And you've been in this awesome series called The Church That Dot Dot Dot. And right off the back, I want to say that the church is something so dear to my heart. It's really something that I've decided to dedicate my life to building. And as imperfect and as messy as the church can be, come on, we know that, let's be real. I'm so grateful to not only be a part of the church, but to be the church. And something that I've been really passionate about is that my prayers that in the frequency and in the free access that we have to the church, that we never minimize the importance of it. I love Ephesians 5 verse 25. It actually says that Christ loved the church so much that he gave his life up for the church. So if Christ died for the church, I'm thinking this is a pretty big deal. And so I think I always consider being raised in the church, being raised in the house of the Lord amongst a community of believers who are ordinary people and honest and just love doing life together, community of faith. It's been one of my biggest blessings in life. And I always said as a kid, I loved attending church, got a little bit older. And then I felt like I was so grateful to be a part of the church, to play a part in building the church. And now where I'm in life now, I'm still thankful for all of that. But more so today, I'm thankful that I get to take on the identity of being the church, being the bride of Christ. And I want you to remember, you've heard this already through the series, is that the church is not a building. The church is the people. It's not just something we attend, but it's actually an identity that we carry. And I 1,050 million percent believe that the gathering is important. I believe that coming and attending church is essential to your spiritual life. But being the church, well, that is undeniably essential. And so today when I talk about the church, I'm not just referring to the two hours that we spend on a Sunday, as amazing as that is. I'm actually talking about the identity that we carry when we leave this building, when we head out and engage with life and people and each other outside of these four walls. And so you've started off this series with, an. first of all, you've just had incredible communicators deliver such amazing messages in this past few weeks. And you started off with the church that goes. And I love that in that 
message we heard that we shouldn't make sharing the gospel complicated. In fact, talking about Jesus and sharing the gospel with our friends and family is a lot less complicated than we often make it out to be. That you don't need to have a mic in your hand to share the gospel, but you can just share a meal with someone and you can tell them the good news of Jesus. You can you don't have to be weird about it. <laughs> you can actually just be super honest and let people know what God is doing in your life. And then we heard about the church that sees. And we spoke about that we shouldn't just keep our eyes caught on our own lives and that as we go through our ordinary life, that we shouldn't be just caught up in our own stuff, but we should look around and be able to see what's happening around us, see into the lives of other people, that we should see and perceive. And then last week, we heard about the church that has compassion. We heard about the compassion that God has and that how we should take on that heart and that posture. And it should move us from being apathetic to being empathetic, which then moves us beyond ourselves. And we can actually serve the people who God brings on our path. And so today, I'm not going to tell you anything new. I'm probably going to just tell you what's already been said and remind you of what you already know. But as we talk about today, the church that acts, the church that acts, I felt like God wanted to remind us today that the posture of a church that acts is a church that stays low, a church that stays low. And I love that throughout this series, we've, give, we've gotten this insight to this truth that before we do the hard work, because how many of you know that building the church, building the kingdom of God, reaching people, changing the world, it takes work. It's hard work. Ask the people who get to church a few hours before you. It takes work. In fact, that's why we're being compared to workers in the Bible where it says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We're workers. We're not just here as the church to aimlessly walk through life. We're not here to just play games. No, we're here to steward our time, steward our treasure and steward our talent for the greater purpose that God has given us. So it takes work. And so I love that there's been this truth. There's really been a thread throughout the previous messages of this series that before we do the hard work, We've got to do some heart work. We have to do some heart work. I love what my brother slash pastor often says, that the work that God does within us should always be greater than the work that he does through us, which means it always starts here. I love that because a truth, a conviction, and a belief, if it's not deeply rooted in who we are, if it's not deeply rooted in our soul, if we're not transformed internally, then whatever we do externally will only last for so long, but it won't be sustained. And so we've got to do some heart work before we get and step into the hard work. And so I want us and you at home to go with me to the key, our key passage for today, which is found in John 13, verse 12 to 17. And I love this, that Jesus gives us an example of how we should act, the posture that we should have as we action out our call in life. And for context, we're picking up on the scene of the Last Supper and Jesus is sharing a meal with his disciples. And what he does is he takes off his robe and then he washes the feet of the disciples, puts his robe back on, and then he's about to school his disciples in the way of living. And so read with me from verse 12. This is what it says. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down. And here's what Jesus says to his disciples. Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since you, since I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash the feet of others. I have given you this example to follow. Do as I have done. 
I tell you the truth, slaves are no greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Here's verse 17. Now you know these things. God will bless you for doing them. Quick pause, interjection, side note. I love that it says, now you know it, but now go do it. <laughs> that we're not here just to build knowledge, but God actually wants us to walk out and action out the knowledge we have. He says, God will bless you for doing it. But I love that Jesus, he, he shows us the most beautiful example of what serving looks like. He, in this moment, I love that he's fully assured of who he is. He's like, I am the Lord. I am your teacher. He's not trying to impress anyone. He's not trying to please anyone. He knows his identity. But he says that since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to do the same for each other and for others. I've given you this example. Do as I have done to you. Jesus in this moment displays what true humility looks like. And he sets an example for us on the, of the way of living. And I think now more than ever, we need a church that knows real humility, that knows how to stay low, that even and especially as we go, we need to learn how to not only get low, but stay low and wash the feet of other people. If we're going to do this thing called the church, if we're going to be this thing called the church, then we need to be okay with getting low enough and staying low enough to serve even in the mess of things then we're going to have to start being able to resist this need for great titles and for having our service be put on display. Because here's the thing, we're not showing up here for positions, we're showing up here for people. We're here to serve God by serving His people. We're not here to show up for awards, but we're showing up here for the greatest reward and that is to be of service to God. If I could tell my youngest self, here's the secret, here's the secret for everyone in ministry and starting off, Serving is the reward. Serving is the reward. We get to do this. We get to play a part in what God is doing in people's lives and in our city. We get to do this. It is a privilege to be a part of it, to co-labor with God. Serving is the reward. Anything that gets added, any blessing that we get from it, that is additional. But serving is the reward. And I want to share a quick story. I grew up with an older brother He's five years older than me, and he likes to remind me of this constantly. Uh, but he was and he is one of my best friends. And as kids growing up, we were quite close. We did a lot as a family together. Um, people don't often believe me when I say this, but Jethro and I barely fought as kids. We had the, you know, the usual bickering as siblings, you know, oh, you punch me, now I get to punch you back kind of thing. But we didn't have many major uh, sibling fights. We actually got on pretty well, and we even had this great rhythm of doing chores together, especially when it came to doing the dishes. And so yeah, take a nostalgic trip with me for a second. Uh, it's Saturday morning, Disney Channel is on the TV and my brother and I are watching our favorite show. He's eating cereal, I'm having a sandwich and we're just living pure bliss, the best, our best lives. It's not school, it's Saturday, we're having fun, okay? But my mom from the kitchen calls out and she says, hey guys, come, you, some, you guys need to clean the kitchen. It's breakfast is finished. We need to clean the kitchen. And as kids, we're like, you know, we do the whole thing. Okay. And we start hitting everything as we get up a bit annoyed that we have to leave our show to go and do the dishes. But we look at each other and we're like, it's okay. We've got each other. It's going to go quick. It's going to be fine. We can come back to our show. And we had this great rhythm. We had this great share, flow of shared responsibility. And so we barely argued until one day my parents brought home a dishwasher. Now, on first review, on first glance, this seemed like it was going to be a lifesaver. 
Like we wouldn't need to wash up the dishes or dry off the, the dishes or the cloth. We, you know, it's going to go quicker. You just pack in a few hours later, you're going to pack it out. And so we were excited. And what was now, what was once a two person job is now a one person job. And so the rhythm changed a little bit. And my brother and I were cool in the beginning. You know, he would, he would pack, I would unpack and we would rotate. But then this moment came. It was either we were watching a really cool show or we're doing what we always love to do was play Sims on the computer. And so we were doing either of those things. And my mom from the kitchen says, guys, whose turn is it to pack the dishwasher? And silence in the room. My brother and I slowly look at each other. And then what happens is we're about to, you know, what we usually happen would be we both go to the kitchen and wash the dishes and dry together. Now it was someone's going to be left with the show, with the game, and could continue to enjoy, but the other person had to go do the dishes. But my brother and I look at each other, and if you have kids at home right now, or if you grew up with siblings, you know the famous argument we're about to go into. And so we look at each other and we say, I did it last time, it's not my turn, it's your turn. And we start going back and forth, and we worked on a trust basis, so it was his word against mine. We didn't have some super nanny roster schedule on our fridge to tell us who does it on what day. And so we're arguing, and then we say these words that really struck with me as it struck me when I was thinking back this week on the story, is that we looked at each other and we said, it's not my job, it's not my job. I did it last time, it's not my job. And I've often noticed in our faith as Christians, we're really good at serving at church. We're really good. We're on a team, we're on staff, and we have a role to play. And it's Sunday morning and we're pumped to serve. But then we go back to our mundane moments of life. And sometimes I think we forsake our serving jackets and we start to throw around this phrase, it's not my job. And we forget that serving is not just something we do, but serving is who we are. And it reminds me of this story, and I won't read it, but it's a story you might be familiar, the Good Samaritan in the Bible. And Jesus is telling this story, and there's this Jewish guy who gets beaten, robbed, and stripped of his clothes. And the Bible actually says he gets left on the side of the road looking half dead. And Jesus mentions three people who come across this man. The first two are a priest and a Levite, two people who have incredible credentials in the religious realm at the time. They were religious professionals. If there's anyone that should be following the law of the Old Testament law of love your neighbor as you love yourself, these were the two guys. And so we see here the priest and the Levite respond very differently to what we think they would do. The priest, what he does is he actually deliberately walks on the other side of the road to avoid looking at this person that's laying on the floor as to avoid an obligation to serve him. The Levite kind of does the same thing. He has a little bit more of a peek, but then he also walks into the other side of the road. And then, of course, there's the third person, the Good Samaritan, which I like to note that he is unnamed and he has no fancy title. But he saw the man and he didn't respond like the priest and the Levite. In fact, he actually went over to the man, treated his wounds, helped him to go to a room, paid for the room for him to stay in, and then added on if there's any additional expenses that this man occurs, incurs and he needs to recover well, I will pay for it. And that's amazing. And I often... I'm sure we're often found in our lives being the Good Samaritan. Come on, that's good. I, I want to affirm you in that. That's amazing. But if we're going to be very real and honest here today, we're going to say that sometimes we're found being the priest and the Levite. That maybe we're seeing the person, maybe we're seeing the struggle and seeing the pain, but we choose to look the other way. We choose to walk the other way because it's not my job. 
I've already got so much going on. I have a nine to five job. I've served at church on Sunday. It's not my job. And it's easy to serve when we're at church, when we're in a position to serve. But serving was never reserved for a specific day or a specific crowd of people. And it certainly wasn't reserved for a specific role that we need to fulfill. Serving people should be our life's mission. We need to stay low enough as the church to keep ourselves from uttering these words. It's not my job. We should serve everybody and anybody, and I love this quote that I once heard, which says, we cannot say we're compassionate because we feel something. We can only say we're compassionate because we do something. It's easy to feel something. Yes, it's easy. It's easy to see someone on the side of the road lacking the basic human needs and having our heart go out to this person. It's easy to hear someone put in a prayer request and share about how they're struggling in life or share a story about their trauma. It's easy to feel. If we're not feeling anything, I think we've lost a little bit of our humanity. It's easy to feel. You know what's even easier to do? You know what's even easier? It's to do absolutely nothing about it. It's to carry on walking, to drive on, to look the other way. But it actually takes work. It actually takes a whole lot of humility. It actually takes getting up, stepping out, it actually takes our actioning out our faith to serve that person in the best way that we can. But here's what's been detrimental, is that many times we're more concerned about how serving will disrupt our lives than we're concerned about how it would impact the lives of others. But we need to get some humility. We need to follow what Jesus said. He set an example. Grab the towel, towel and start washing people's feet. Not when it's convenient, not when it's comfortable, not when I have more time, not when the kids are out of the house, not when I'm better resourced, not when it's my job to do so. We serve because it's who we are. We are the church. Philippians 2 verse 1 to 4, these are Paul's words, so do not crucify me for saying them, but I love the message translation. It says this, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference to you at all, if being in the community of, spirit, of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Here's my favorite part. He says, forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Forget yourself long enough to help lend a helping hand. What does serving look like today? Maybe this week it looks like you simply closing your laptop for a few seconds at work and talking to that colleague that looks stressed out on life. Maybe it looks like you being a bit more kind to the person serving you at a restaurant. Maybe cutting them some slacks. Maybe it's time we serve the people who serve us. Maybe it looks like you actually talking to your neighbor, the friendly neighbor, the good neighbor the loud neighbor, the annoying neighbor. Maybe it looks like giving some food to someone who really needs it. Maybe it looks like getting off your phone long enough to actually have a conversation with the person in front of you at home and asking them how they're doing. I really believe that if we're gonna be a church that acts, then we're gonna to need to be a church who loves and cares for people without any agenda. The minute we start having an agenda, it's not love anymore. I think we should start simply loving people without any expectation of being seen, of being awarded for loving others, 
or even the expectation of it being reciprocated. We should simply love people from a place of being deeply loved by God. Our church recently did this outrage in our community and we handed out some blankets and some clothes. And one of my favorite things to do at an outrage is to have real conversation and engage with the people that we're serving. And we met this, I met this guy named Lionel. And Lionel, he's around 40 years old. And he was um, sharing about some pain that he has in his leg. And he very openly and honestly told me about the life that he leads and shared a little bit about his drug abuse and the struggle with drugs. And he began to tell me about his life and how he, it, it's affected his lungs so much that at night he cannot even really breathe. And he has this really bad cough. And um, I don't know if God was being humorous, but I actually literally had to get low because uh, I had a hunch over and try and look Lionel in the eye because he was sat flat on the ground. But as I'm looking at Lionel and hearing his story and seeing life and the life he's lived up until this point on his physical being, I looked into his eyes and I had this real experience with God. And I heard God say to me, look at Lionel. This is my son. I really love him. And I had this moment of, an insane experience, an eye-awakening moment of God's genuine love for Lionel, for this man in front of me. This man who in his own words told me that he doesn't feel worthy of being loved by God, that he doesn't even feel worthy enough to love God. And as he's talking to me, I just burst out and I say, Lionel, God really loves you. Like He genuinely loves you. And he smiles back at me and we chat a little bit more and I take a moment to pray for healing over his lungs and over his legs. And afterwards, he says the words that will probably mark me for the rest of my life. He says, thank you so much for you and your church for coming out and serving us today. Thank you for just loving us. Here's what he says. So many people and organizations come and they serve us, but they expect something back from us. He says sometimes they coerce us into coming to their organization or to their church to collect things. Or sometimes they try and force us into a way. He said these ending words, thank you so much for sitting with us, loving us, and just serving us. And I wonder what if we just took enough time in our day to just sit with people, even if it's to our discomfort, even if it's to our disruption. What if we became a church who loved like that? No agenda, award, or audience seeking. What if we just loved and served people because it's in our DNA, because it's who we are? because it's who he is, who he is. Colossians 3 verse 12 says, we are God's chosen people. We are holy and set apart by God himself. And it says, put on a heart of compassion, put on a heart of patience, put on a heart of humility and kindness, stay low. One thing I'm really deeply passionate about saying and living out is that my prayer for the church here at Numa, back home at GC, the church across the world, my prayer is that we would be a people joining community of faith and loving life and reaching out and serving, that we would be so for the mission of Jesus, so for people finding salvation, finding hope, finding freedom, that we would be so for the mission that we don't care whom God does it through, but we just deeply care that it's getting done. We care more about people finding Jesus than knowing our names, that we care more about people than positions, that we are so for the mission that no matter whom God does it through, we celebrate that it gets done. 
that we stay low enough that even if all I do on a Sunday morning is put a, a toilet roll in a bathroom stall, but 10 or 15 or 20 people committed their hearts to Jesus that day. But all I, I didn't say the prayer with them. I didn't lead them. I didn't have a mic in my hand, but I still celebrate that God did that in their lives because here's the thing. We're not here for our own mission. We're not here to build our own kingdoms. We're here to build the kingdom of God. And I think if we just got out of our own way and if we got low enough and stayed and sat with people for long enough, I think God would do a whole lot. I really do believe that. As a church that stays low, may that be our posture. May that be the way the world gets to see the church act. May that be the way we love each other because that's the way God loves us. Ephesians 5 verse 1 to 2 says, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with Him. Learn a life of love. Observe how Christ has loved us. His love was not cautious, but it was extravagant. He didn't, get, he didn't love us in order to get something from us, but to give of him, everything of Himself to us. It says love like that. If we want to be a church that acts, we need to be a church that stays low. If we want to be a church of impact, then we've got to love like that. No agenda or audience or award seeking. Not cautious, but extravagant. Love like that. I think we can be the church that brings hope. I think we can be the church that responds to injustices. I think we can be the church that brings truth through kindness in this day and age of lies and opinion. I think we can be the church that leads our city and our generation to building a better future. But we need to stay in a posture of humility. And we need to stay allowing God to do what only He can do through us. Because remember, it's not by our strength, but it is through His Spirit. Love like that. And I want to take a moment to pray for us as the church, as people who love Jesus and have committed our lives to Jesus. I want us to, I want to pray for us that we would be that kind of church. So right now, God, in this moment, as people are at home right now, I believe that you're God with us, that as you're in this moment, you're also in every single home where someone is watching this from. God, I pray that firstly, forgive us where we've not been the church that stayed low, where we've not acted in the way you've called us to act as the example of Jesus, grabbing a towel and serving and washing people's feet. But I pray right now, God, that we would be the church that acts, but we will do it staying low with so much humility, that we would love people with no agenda, that we would be able to make a difference in our city, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our sphere of influence, that would make a change in South Africa and Cape Town by being the church that acts, but we would do it out of a place of loving the way you have loved us. And right now, I want to take a second. Maybe you've heard me talking about Jesus and you've heard me talking about the love that God has for you. I want to take a second to invite you to make the best decision that you can make, and that is to commit your heart to Jesus. I love that the Word of God says that He's burdened is not heavy, his yoke is easy, and he says he wants to teach you a new rhythm of grace, the unforced rhythm of grace, that he wants to give you real rest. I always say it, Jesus doesn't want to give you a nap, he wants to give you real rest, the kind of rest that you find peace deep within. And so maybe you just need to experience the love of Jesus today, or you have, as I was talking about the love that I said, he doesn't want anything from us, but he wants to give everything of himself to us, that he died for you. 
in this moment, you can just quietly in your heart say this prayer where you say, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe that you died and you rose again. And I am a child of God. If you said that prayer in your heart right now, I want to ask you to take one more step. We want to connect with you as a church. We don't want to leave you alone. Life is so much better together. And we want to actually help you take a next step. So if you made that decision quietly or out loud, you can text us in the live chat right now, or you can drop us a DM on our social media, find us on our website and fill out a connect card so we can continue to journey with you because we believe that this is only the beginning that God is so much more, that it's time that He wants to show you how you can play your part in being the church too. And I'm so grateful that you've given me the time to talk to you. It has been amazing, Numa. I love you and I'm praying for you constantly. Thank you so much.